Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Tech Connect Podcast. I'm John Martin. And I'm Dean Reverman. All right, Dean, we are back to break down another one of our end-user surveys yes. from our Blue Star Nation blog. Yes. You folks all know about the Blue Star Nation blog, right? Right. I mean, right. They should. They better. They should. We've talked about if it a few times. you don't, you need to. It's a good place where we're doing some really interesting work. Really um, good stuff. And, and it's not just like we're just out there just blogging away and just no. any old random crap yeah. we can throw Random, we're very, know, useless information. Right. We're no. very deliberate about what we're doing there. We're trying yep. to really craft stuff that's educational and useful for VARs, for ISVs, yep. to to understand our channel, to find opportunities, mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. you know find better places to present their technology, mm-hmm. understand what's happening out there. That's it. And this one, this one is a very deep dive. Yes, survey. it is. As always, in fact, the, it's called the deep dive. Exactly. Survey. Yes. I highly recommend this one that you actually follow up on and read into a little further because mm-hmm. we're going to kind of skim the surface of it. And you know, and I think there's some opportunity here to to learn about some interesting stuff going on. Uh, in particular, this one's about the world of warehouses. Yes, warehouse and supply chain. Yep, the technology that they're using mm-hmm. so we'll get it let's just get into it i think we should just go ahead and absolutely plug in, plug in and get connected welcome to the tech connect podcast it's time to get connected As I mentioned, our uh, our topic today, we're getting into one of our surveys here. This is a, a survey we did on warehouse technology. It's It was sponsored by Zebra. I want to yeah. thank Zebra so much for Absolutely. Uh, doing a, a sponsorship of this particular yeah, one. They helped this, us out a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it takes a little money to sometimes it to, does, to pull yeah. these and, surveys and, and, off. And, and as you'll learn here in a moment, I'll tell you some of the methodology. You know, we, we went beyond our usual where yeah. just maybe we're employing our telemarketing team and just right. sending out some surveys. You know, So we, we put some professional effort into mm-hmm. this one to really get some good responses. So we appreciate Zebra supporting that. They also helped us crafting some of the questions too. Mm-hmm. You gave us some suggestions on like, hey, here's stuff we'd like to learn about and understand about the market. We here's things we think VARs probably need to know about. So yeah. Yeah, let's yeah. ask him these questions. Perfect. So let's start with that. And as always, um, you know, the link to this survey under the the article rather that breaks down the survey is going to be in our show notes. Uh, definitely check that out. Subscribe to the Blue Star Nation newsletter also, yes, so you know. You should. When these are coming out, yeah. uh, and you'll you'll get these as soon as they're available. Good stuff here. So let's get into the methodology. So again, we worked with a third-party data collection company on this mm-hmm. one. Usually, we have our own in-house yep. telemarketing team that we use yep. for a lot of these surveys, or we'll so send out some emails or whatever. But yeah, we actually, a little bit of a different tactic. Yeah, right? we actually went out and, and, and employed a company whose sole you know job is to go out and do these kind of surveys, surveys and, yeah. and drive you know, uh, survey interesting, make mm-hmm. calls and mm-hmm. get, you know, get people on the line. Mm-hmm. They made 1,750 calls. They got 98 responses. Mm-hmm. The survey was 45 questions long, pretty long. That is a long, so that's um, why it's a deep dive. Exactly. Right. And basically we were learning about things like daily experience with technology for these folks, their pain points, yep. hard hardware systems that they deploy, all this stuff that we wanted to learn about them and how they manage their business in order to get some more insights into, into warehouses and supply chain, yep. you know, and manufacturing folks that they work in this sphere. So 
Let's start with, you know, a little bit of detail on who the folks are that we mm-hmm, talked to. Mm-hmm. So uh, we talked about 70%. We asked, you know, what kind of business type they were. About 70% responded that they were either retailers or food and beverage production. Yep. So, again, this is still on the supply chain or mm-hmm. warehousing distribution side. Yep. But that was the two business types that were most readily identified. We also had about 18% that they were fulfillment centers or 3PLs. Yeah, like warehouse, the distribution yeah. centers, those another kinds of nine, folks, yeah. Another right. t- you know, 10%, yeah, said the warehouse distribution center yep. specifically, but they might have been tied to something else also. But mm-hmm. either way, most of these folks are were apparently related in some way to retail or food and beverage production. Uh, we also asked about their job experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, over 60% were five five to 10 years of experience. Mm-hmm. Another 32% at 10 to 20 years. Very few that were less than that. So mm-hmm. people with a lot of experience in the industry. No, that was my takeaway on that one, right? I mean, these people know what they're talking about. That's it's like, true. It's yeah. not like they're newbies coming into the no. warehouse and saying, oh, you know, yeah. I got some. A majority of people were five, five to 20 years of experience in there. Yeah. Which means they've stuff. experienced a lot of the ups and downs of supply yep. chain and certainly what has happened over the last few years, yeah. too. Yeah. Uh, and then on the job seniority side of things, uh, a full almost a 70% or rather 80% were manager or senior manager at about an, almost another 20% were director level. So we're talking folks that are in there, out there every day, that are on the floor, that are doing the work, that are managing people, that are seeing processes, that know what's working and what isn't, which made them the perfect kind of person to, yeah. to yeah, talk yeah, yeah, to yeah. this survey. All right, so now let's let's get into some of the, the actual survey findings here. And I want to start with common errors because mm-hmm. this is always important to understand, like, where are pain points happening? Because yep. if you're you're, if you're any kind of salesperson, you want to know where are the pain points, yeah. where are the challenges, what can I address and help with? Yeah. So we asked a question about, you know, basically, where are you seeing errors and how often are you seeing errors in the following areas? So we asked about receiving, put away, picking, packing, shipping, inventory, and returns. And basically on a scale, we basically said, hey, are you seeing these errors very often, somewhat often, or not often at all? And of course, the ones we wanted to learn about, hey, where are everybody saying very often Mm -hmm. that they're experiencing Mm -hmm. errors. Number one answer was inventory, which probably isn't a huge surprise. Mm -hmm. Um, 64% of respondents said they were experiencing inventory errors very often in their business. And then we had two responses that were at 47 and 46% respectively, shipping errors and put-away errors. Mm -hmm. So those were definitely the three biggest places where people said, yeah, we're seeing errors very often, at at least half or more of the time. Uh, (laughs) It's very often we're having these errors. What did you make of that? Did anything stand out there about yeah, those I mean, it's a little. I don't know. I thought the inventory errors was a little high to me. I mean, think so, so well, I mean, where are you experiencing? You think by this errors? point maybe they wouldn't be, but I, I would have hoped it would have been this. I mean, sixty-four percent is a lot, right? It's <laughs> true. The, yeah, sixty-four percent of people saying very often there is an inventory error. You know, so uh, you know, with the technology that we have in place, apparently there's still it's still error ridden. And, and, and I don't know if that now further classifies that it's the put-away errors and the shipping errors are the, are the two right. in that inventory mix, which ranked, again, very high as being very often there, there's errors in those. Put-aways I get. I mean, put-aways you, you get, you receive. The way the world receives today, you get... You know, you're getting a skid of stuff that you don't really necessarily might not know what it all is, and yet you're tasked with putting it away. So you put it on a shelf, or you're going to put it somewhere, right? I got to put it somewhere, and then that leads to errors. A box might say, "Hey, this is a box of widget A." Absolutely. All right, I'll put it where widgets A's are, and then you open it later and find out it's actually widget B's. That's it. That's it. Or especially if you're a retailer, I mean, you're expecting a shipment of two thousand medium shirts. Okay, you get a box. 
do you know there's 2,000 in them? I, you're not going to count them. No. You're just going to no. take them on their word that they got 2,000. So, But that could lead to some errors, right? Yeah. And and I guess that's leading to the inventory error. So maybe, I don't know. I was just hoping we'd be a little bit better off than we were uh, at those. Now, return errors was was also relatively low. I mean, So very often there it was 14% said, you know, they're not receiving a lot of return errors very often. So, right. you know, we talk about the whole reverse logistics and how that is just miring the the whole um, supply chain issue. Right. You know, right. supply chain used to be getting into because now it's now it's that plus the reverse logistics. And so now to you add know, on to that 18, we did ask about that in particular. Mm-hmm. Only 18 percent of respondents handled reverse logistics at all. OK, so that's the, fair. So the, the volume of folks that were even doing was fairly small amongst mm-hmm. all these, which mm-hmm. I also think is interesting. Interesting because it, it still indicates that there's a big segmentation happening doing it. in a lot of supply chain where there's someone else is taking care of the reverse logistics. Either they're not allowing the return doing the returns at all, mm-hmm. or they have someone else doing that part of the business for them, and it's mm-hmm. not happening in the same place that shipping distribution are happening. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we did also ask those folks who said they did reverse logistics what some of their imp- process improvements could be. And you had stuff like better return policies. Some of them mentioned RFID and barcode scanning technology for better tracking identification, better communication and coordination between suppliers, manufacturers, and retails, and simplifying the – this is an interesting answer. Yep. Simplifying the process by <laughs> using predictive management software to reduce downtime and improve operational efficiency. I hope that person has a good position at their company. Right. Because they seem to have some very smart ideas that yeah, people I, better oh, be listening I, to. Absolutely. I called all those out. We could dive into all those you know, individually there, but it's just picking up on that. Absolutely. This person clearly understands the power of predictive analytics oh, yeah. and how it can help management reducing downtime and improving operations. Operational efficiencies, bingo. Yep. Uh, yep. That's all a part of it. And you know, going back to the to the other one, a couple of other ones that that you know, again, that weren't highlighted, but picking errors still running at about thirty percent very yeah. often. Yeah. And 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 what was it? I know we're going to get to it, but it's like ninety nine percent of these folks are using gear. I mean, they're using barcode yeah. technology. Yeah. So and they're still having 32% pack yeah. of picking errors or uh, 27% picking errors. 32% packing, packing errors. Yeah. It's like holy moly, hold on there. Yeah. I mean, like there was there was almost there was almost nothing where anyone said that they were not experiencing errors often at all. Right. Like the only one that did was 22% said return errors, and I imagine a lot of those are probably the folks that just weren't doing it anyway. Exactly. So they just answer, "Oh, it's not No, that's not a really good point. Really good but point. But yes, you're right. Like the, I mean, outside of the return errors, Picking errors was the lowest percentage of very often errors, and that was at 27%, which to yep. me, that's still a quarter of respondents that are saying, yeah, I'm having errors well, now, now very makes, often right, in uh, basically every single one of these errors. And I guess that's a relative term. What does very often mean? This is, is true. Is it like once a day? I suppose or it depends it, on your perspective, yeah. Because, if, because as a distributor, I know that we have picking errors, right? right? But but how do you quantify very often? I mean, it's a really low percentage of the total volume, right? but it right. still happens. Yeah, we it probably could have added a little more context that question all the but time yeah. but you know it's a relatively i don't i don't know what our pick accuracy it's like 99.8 right, right. or something like that but i would hope you wouldn't call that very often if it happened once a week that's i, yeah, I would hope but, no one thinks that but i but, guess it depends how much of a perfectionist you are <laughs> that's a really <laughs> like, good it happened point. once last year <laughs> very that's, often that's too it. often <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, um, so that that's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, and there, I'm going to go back to a, a couple of the other opinion sure. things that we had our, had at there. RFID and barcode scanning technology for better tracking and identifying 
um, that can handle inventory management simultaneously. So even somebody you know commenting on the whole RFID and barcode living together, playing right, together, right. I thought that was really intuitive as well. I'm, we'll get into it, but I was really surprised at how many people are using RFID yep. technology. Really surprised. That was one away. of my biggest takeaways, uh, too. By that, uh, for sure. And then finally, the improved communication. I know down here, uh, one of them talks about the two-way radio, if they're still using that. And, right, you know, right. it's, it's interesting that just the mashup of, you know, barcoding technology plus some still some old world technology, you know, right. of, of good old communication. I don't want to get ahead of the game here. But, yeah. No, it's fine. Some good stats really just coming out anyway. of these main pain points, yep. right? Yep. But to your point, it's you got to unearth them. And, and clearly, these are still we, – we think we know we're doing a much better job than paper and stuff like that. But there's still some work to be done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. All right. So next up, we had a series of questions where we asked a lot of details about technology in use. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to run through some of these here. First of all, I want to know – we did ask a question about like, you know, hey, what what devices or what brand of devices are most in use in your business? And because Zebra sponsored this, and we'll call them out in particular yep. here, 28% of respondents said they were using Zebra Technologies yep. mobile devices, whether it was barcode scanners, RFID, mobile computers, whatever mm-hmm, it was, mm-hmm. 28% called them out. Now, to be fair here, we did not give people a list of, you know, manufacturers mm. and say, hey, pick and tell us which ones out of these, and maybe they pick They're ones using, they recognize. Yeah. We, that was an open-ended question. Where we simply I see. Asked, I like, got you. What brands are you using? Yep. And I'll be honest, there's a lot of brands they named that I'd never I've never heard of. I've never heard of them. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've never heard of them. But Zebra definitely stood I, out There's the a top. good three or four that I've never heard of. Exactly. So, you know, they, they stood out the top, but there was also a wide swath of other types of brands against stuff I'd never heard of, mm-hmm. stuff that you're very mm-hmm. familiar with. You but know, still our, the uh, dominant player, and that was to be expected. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Nothing nothing particularly surprising there. Uh, then, okay, so then let's let's get into some questions that we asked about some, again, I, I want to run through all of these, yep. you know, type of device stuff. And all right. Device in use and, and all the details about that, and then I'll let you comment on it here. Yep. So first we asked, what type of devices are in use in your, in your business? 100% of people said barcode scanners. Uh, 96% said RFID scanners. 93% said rugged computers with scanning capabilities. 59% said fixed RFID. And only 3% said finger or wrist scanners. Now, going back to that RFID, because again, this was the, I think, a big standout to me, and it sounds like it was to you mm-hmm. too. 95% of people said they use RFID in their business every day. Um, and I'll just say for a moment, before we, and we'll probably get back to that in a moment, but I know we've talked a lot on this show and we've, is it RFID time yet? Yeah, is, right. Is RFID here? Yep. How do we, how do we grow adoption of RFID? Yep. Maybe, you know, across all industries, there's still room for growth, but it sounds like in supply chain and, you know, retail and well, specific, food and beverage yeah, because manufacturing. Because this was heavy on that. Yep. Mm-hmm. That it's, it's here and it's already table stakes. They're already using it and there's not, you know, there's, it, it's not a, you got to talk them into it at this point. It's already there. Uh, to go on, we also asked about satisfaction with devices in use on a one to t- 10 scale. Most said seven or eight. Uh, there was only one that was even below a six on, on those ratings. So most people are happy with the devices they are using. Mm-hmm. Um, we asked about windows and, you know, windows versus Android here. Uh, most of the respondents, 89% said they are still using windows over OS for at least half of their devices. So, hmm. Even though Windows is sunsetting, mm-hmm. it has not gone away by any <laughs> means yet. There's there's still a lot of folks out there using it on their devices. And finally, uh, we asked how many devices, you know, different types of devices, mobile devices are typically in use per shift by your employees. And the average answer was two to three devices per shift. So with all that knowledge here about all the devices in use, what kinds, uh, brand, 
RFID satisfaction. What thoughts do you have about all of this stuff, David? Uh, well, again, I'm just going to point to the RFID one. I mean, to me, that was the, uh, really surprising that 95%, right? Yeah. The use of our, yeah are using saying they're using it daily. I think it was basically all but one person. Yeah. What, what, one or two people. I mean, to me, that's, I'm just, you know, it's, it's very surprising yeah. uh, that because, you know, Knowing what what I know about the technology that everybody oh, probably listening to this understands is that you know you you got tag technology. It's more than just the readers and the antennas. Right. It's it's the whole gamut of getting the tags on the on the products all the way down to the manufacturer level or the suppliers thereof. Now in the food industry, it's not maybe as surprising because you know, with the whole traceability right, right. and the need to understand yeah. a lot more important there. I think I feel like they will really have been. Um, you know, ahead of the game as as compared to like normal retail right, for right. quite some time. Uh, but but uh, uh, and we did have a pretty significant amount of people. Is thirty two percent are were in the food and beverage production that answered this. So that right. that's that's fair. That but checks, yeah. but forty percent were retailers. And and honestly, unless you're Walmart or you know some of the other players that are that are in this, it's it's still to me it's still it's very much a tier one type of a thing. Right. Um. Right. And and the RFID hasn't really trickled down to the SMB just yet. In fact, we, I just came off an executive summit where we were talking about RFID and its need to get down to the product level in the SMB marketplace to be an effective. Right. And, and just the push that the Walmarts of the world are having in that world because they've dictated that it's got to be all the way down to the product level uh, per shirt type of a thing. I'm talking right, not, right. not just yeah. like yeah. SKU item level, level yeah, item level. Yeah, thank you. Item level RFID. I mean, that, that takes a lot of effort to, well, to get it to it solves that problem you were talking about earlier about, you know, having a box that, you know, is supposed to have 2,000 shirts in it. Right. Do you really know that? Yep. Well, if all of them are RFID tag, yes, you yes, really you do. do know yes, that. Yes, absolutely. You, you know you've got a box that's supposed to have that amount, and you actually can verify how much are in there, too. Yep, so. yep, yep. And, and I would bet that if, you know, as we're talking about this and as we do the, the 95% that say they are using it daily, I would bet that we probably are talking more high-level where it's maybe like tracking boxes mm, or mm-hmm, trucks, mm-hmm, something mm-hmm. to that effect, or a bin, right? You know, exactly. Uh, Not uh, necessarily. I, I, there's if if we asked about item level, I bet that number would probably be significant. I level. would agree with you there, especially like three PLs. They've they've all got bin level RFIDs. Right, right. If there's any type of automation, yeah, they're they're probably using RFID to track that. You know, as it goes around the facility, exactly. for sure. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And so to your commentary, maybe I am thinking down to the item level, and it's it's still going to take us some time to get there yeah there's still room to grow i think Mm -hmm. but i just will say i think like if because i sometimes i feel like there's an attitude of like we've got to teach people about rfid and what it means and what it does and how it works i don't think you need to do that i think most of these folks they may not be using it in quite the ways they could be and should be Mm. but i think they at least get it they at Mm -hmm. least know what rfid does and maybe they just need a partner to help them take it to the next level and maybe get it down to that item level or come up with new and creative ways to use it or help streamline and simplify, like, the software side of things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it's not to say that, you know, hey, you shouldn't be talking about RFID anymore. Everyone's using it. More of don't go in assuming someone doesn't. This is one of those conversations where you don't have to dumb it down for the folks that you think, you know, <laughs> may not know about it because I think they're going to know about it at this point. Yeah, so. yeah. And, and, and just kind of to, to put a bow around the RFID part of it, nine, it was 96% had the handheld readers, uh, about 60%, 58 are, are using, you know, fixed readers at right, the bay door right. and stuff like that. So even there, you know, a pretty good use of the technology yep. now. 
you know, we've been, I guess what, what I was a little bit surprised at the lack of use would be your, uh, your wrist or your finger scanners because that's a pretty cool technology and it's very ergonomic, you know, and it's, and it helps in the whole workflow a lot more. Uh, but I, it's just the the adaptation is not there just yet. No, apparently, no. with only three percent of these folks saying, "Yeah, we use it." That's like it was like three three responses. It wasn't a lot right, of people. Right. Yeah, one hundred percent of people were using barcode scanners, but not many have made only three percent. Yeah, yeah, only three of them are using ring scanners. Yeah. It's like, hmm, that's interesting because again, just the efficiency of, of getting it done uh, seems kind of like intuitive that you, that yeah. you would use that type of technology. Now, the other one, did you get into the how many different computing uh, devices? Uh, yeah, the two to three devices per shift. Yes, I thought that was, was a little surprising. Yeah. So, so to me, it's like, okay, whoa, hold on. You know, I thought here I am in my utopia. It's like the the, the, the worker is using one all. device. Yeah. You know, and they're just you know, I use it to do this, do that. Yeah. Two to three devices, a lot of devices. Yeah. You know, it's like okay, well, wait a minute. Now they're again now know, they need a holster of stuff. Right, and that's where it was interesting to me because you know I go back and I look at those type of devices and. We specifically, when we asked about rugged computers, we didn't we say did. just mobile computers. We specifically asked rugged computers with scanning capabilities. Mm-hmm. So in my mind, if 93% of you are using those, but you're also 100% of you are using barcode scanners, unless somebody just said yes to both, meaning the same uh, thing, which yeah, is yeah, possible. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I would still think, though, it sounds like that means there are people out there that are in one holster pulling out just a standard barcode scanner mm-hmm. and in another using a mobile computer that could do scanning capabilities, yep. but maybe they're not yep. using it for that. Yep. And they're still, and they're using two different. When there's That's, plenty of ways you could use them both together easily. Yeah, I mean, yeah. most, I know most mobile computers for most companies have the option to at least have like, you know, a pistol grip of some sort mm-hmm, or, you know, a mm-hmm. trigger that you can use to mount it on and do your scanning and then also still have your mobile capabilities. Right. So I find that interesting. Like yeah. I'm, I, I'd be curious if there's redundancy there. And that might be a good question to ask about because, you know, if, if they're looking to make upgrades or looking to figure out how to save money, mm-hmm. maybe if you can look at them and say, hey, why are you using a barcode scanner and, and. a mobile computer? And maybe right. even and an RFID device mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. you can get again now. You can get ones that have all three of those or, in one. Yeah, absolutely. And then the, the second clue that we have in there, because we did add communication devices like right, phones or right. two-way radios. And that... Again, that's where I'm at. My all-in-one world, it's it, everything's on that yep. one. You yep. know, the one device can do the phone, so it's unified communication. It's got the barcode scanning. Yes, you could put a sled on it, so now it's an RFID reader too. To me, it just seems like one device is the go-to device, yeah. not yeah. the need for three in that case. Yeah, why uh, would you devices. be using a two-way radio at this point when you when mobile <laughs> when your mobile computers exist? Well, if ninety-three percent of you are carrying around a rugged computer, I promise you it has communication technology. Well, can it. I throw out the the the, the percentage yeah, that are still used? Isn't it like 63% are still using two-way radios? I was like, that was really surprising to me. That, I mean, to your point, again, I just have this vision that everybody's got these ruggedized mobile computer devices now that can do all these things, and yet they're still using the good old trusty-dusty two-way radio. (laughs) Uh, You know, Motorola was just in, you know, entrenched with with that. I would suppose. You know, and I didn't have it on here. Also, you know, on our list of stuff to talk about. But one thing we did ask also is how many. Basically, do you use devices that could be considered consumer grade in non-office areas of your business? Eighty-eight percent, almost ninety percent, said no, they were not. Only eleven. good news. Only eleven percent said they were. That's good news. Yeah. So, and, and I'm not necessarily surprised by that. I feel like. There are other industries where, yeah. 
like if you went front of house in retail or in healthcare or a lot of, you know, a lot of customer facing areas, I feel that's where you see more often than not folks using consumer devices where they could be using rugged or, you know, purpose built devices instead. Mm -hmm. But I think back of the house like this, when we're talking like in these rugged areas where you can't afford to drop your iPhone and you you can't afford to have a flimsy, you know, thousand dollar device Mm -hmm. that's a personal device in use. Mm -hmm. It makes more sense that more of them should be definitely should be using non-consumer devices at this point. I at 11%, if you can find them, go out and, and have a conversation <laughs> still, with them. Still convert because, them. But yeah, hey, they need, I take they that as, that switch. Yeah, I take that as being relatively good news for the channel in yes. the sense that the message has gone out there that purpose-built devices in this area are far better right. than consumer right. devices. And that's going to lead to a healthy channel in the future that, okay, that, you know, it's not just convincing the people, but the proof is in the pudding. Right. And I think a lot of folks, you know, we all heard about the Home Depots of the world who bought... 10,000 iPhones to, to, and then right. they don't use them anymore, right? right? right. They're back to purpose built devices. And yeah, there's a lot so of, there's still just, a lot of that fly by night like app, you know, oh, sure. companies out oh, there. For sure. Like, oh, well, we can just put an app on your consumer yeah. device that's just as good as And this. I think like, this reflects it. It's going to be around 10%. You yeah. know, maybe we can still chip away at that right. and get it down right. in the 5% range. It'll always, it'll all, always be there. Oh, right? yeah. Someone's always, always going to be, be looking for the cheaper route. That's know? right. Or what they assume is the cheaper route. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So, so that's pretty pretty interesting. Now, as just kind of putting a bow around the multiple devices, I do feel bad for the 5% that has more than three devices. <laughs> yeah, so no. who the heck are you and what the heck are your other devices out there that you need to, that uh, your employees are like dragging around? That is a great question. I, maybe it's a mobile printer. I, I don't know. <laughs> just, can you imagine you're just loaded down with like, you know, 20 pounds yeah. of tech every yeah, day? Yeah, like gear. To, yeah. Oh, no, I need gear. a device for this and yeah. a device for that. And a, oh, my my gosh. I doubt. Yeah. Your whole, some... your whole business grinds to a halt because somebody <laughs> can't find their mobile computer or something. I don't know. Yeah, that's that's that uh, that sounds like a again, that's that's the kind of person if you walk in there into their business and see them all toting around four or five devices, yeah. that's when you need to be like, all right. Yeah. Just yeah. start rubbing your hands and thinking, right. ah, there's some opportunity here because there's no reason they should be doing this. So <laughs> All right, so let's so let's get into we we asked some other questions about overall technology in mm-hmm, use and mm-hmm. and you know and and the technology kind of you know status and the status quo basically for yeah. for these type of facilities. And we asked some details about, you know, IT departments in particular, their in-house versus external IT, how much they're using each mm-hmm, of the other. Mm-hmm. So um, we asked about in-house IT, and 42% said that they had 25 to 50 people on staff in-house doing IT for them. Uh, that was the, by far the largest number. And yet, you know, it's a couple a couple that had larger quantities than that. But that was, on average, the, the, the highest amount was that. There was another 20% that said 11 to 20 about 20% more also that said 51 to 100. So most folks have somewhere between 11 to 100 <laughs> IT members, which is a pretty broad That's range. huge, yeah. And, and most of them fall in the 25 to 50 range. That also still feels like a pretty big operation. Absolutely. So they have that many be. people working oh, their IT. Oh, for sure, yeah. Um, and now, mind you, you know, we also asked about external IT and when they use them, and there was a, a decent amount of people that, that did that too. Um, so I, I kind of want to clarify this a little bit too then. So we also asked 
because we wanted to understand, like, okay, so you have an in-house IT, mm-hmm. but you also That's occasionally right. use outside IT. Yep. What responsibilities are you differing right. up between them? Yep. On the in-house side, the overwhelming majority, almost almost 100%, say they were using their in-house IT to help manage their ERP. All around the ERP. Makes sense. Yep. Got to keep the core pumping you know, along The folks there, that yeah. are there in the yep. business every day are the ones that make the most sense to be working yep. on that. Yep. Um, a significant chunk, about 94 95% said hardware procurement was a big part of their in-house IT mm-hmm. responsibilities. Mm-hmm. A lot of networking, network support and network mm-hmm. infrastructure were, were in use there. Yep. And to some smaller extent, only about, um, actually still not bad, maybe about almost 90% said they were using their in-house IT for hardware tech support. Mm -hmm. Now, I was more interested, obviously, because it's relevant to us and to our VARs, outside IT. Where are they reaching out outside of their business to bring folks in to help them out? Yep, yep, yep. Overwhelmingly, almost 90%, about 85% of them said cybersecurity. And I think that's why that's still a big play in in of interest to resellers, to VARs. You know, what's the cybersecurity play? How can we play there? Yep. Exactly. Uh, Another 75% or so said software support, Mm -hmm. that that was a a big deal for them. Yep, makes Uh, sense. Hardware repair. So we had hardware tech support and procurement Mm -hmm. on the in-house team. But repair, they're still farming that out to external IT. Makes sense. There is some tech support also, though, about a little over 50% said they were using external IT for for tech support. And another 50% said software procurement. So to me, the big three takeaways there, cybersecurity, software support, Mm -hmm. and procurement. Mm -hmm. Those are the three things that they're looking outside Mm -hmm. to get. So in my mind, that means, hey, you should probably have cybersecurity in your portfolio Mm -hmm. in some way, if you can. Mm -hmm. And... You should, if even if you're not a software company, you should have some access and some inside tracks to software mm-hmm. that can help these folks out because they're looking externally to find software procurement and support. And if you can be that go-to that has those connections, uh, you probably should, Absolutely. Be, should be involved with that. Yeah, for sure. And I think this is also a commentary on just where MSPs have lived in that world of, of software support and procurement forever. Uh, and I think that that continues to blur. You know, there's more solution integrators, more value, what we call a traditional value-added reseller, getting into the space of software support. And, right. and that's why you're seeing these marketplaces come to be and uh, in, in things of that nature. That's why Blue Star has an ISV program and things of that nature. All of that is around that, you know, what, what, what this uh, survey reinforces, that the companies are looking outside for right. that type of right. support. Cybersecurity is just like a no-brainer, right? And oh, it's yeah. just one of those where, of course, nobody can do that in-house. You're not going to come up with your own, <laughs> you know, cybersecurity, <laughs> you know, software, threat right, detection, right, stuff right. like that. So, yeah, all that is, is clearly external. Um, and then, again, just the last commentary, hardware procurement in-house you know, nine about ninety four percent of of respondents said yes. So there you go. I mean, you know, for the hardware that you are selling, it's an it's as you know probably it is internal resources right, that are right. doing that. We've commented that you know it's it's usually a group, and knowing that the average, my gosh, average IT departments are eleven to twenty. What was it? Twenty five to fifty. Is forty two percent of them? It's a That's lot a of people. A lot of people making maybe having an influence on that or right, a decision right. around it. Uh, so it's that group think, and, and from a sales perspective, got to have all those people aligned yeah. with your solution. Now, we're not going to go too far down this rabbit hole, but we did ask a question around like, what is your process like when it's time to replace warehouse mm, tech hardware? I see. And I think we maybe didn't ask this question quite the right way because a lot of the responses were very similar, which is basically like, oh, just. Figure out, issue, figure out what we, we need, the, yeah, talk about it, figure out what meets our 
our needs, talk about it with IT, and then eventually someone buys what we need or, or we reach out and get some quotes or something. Mm-hmm. Now, those answers are kind of generic, and you can see more of those answers on the actual article. But something that did stand out to me, though, is, again, yes, to your point, I was thinking back to the idea that we've talked about many times over when we had all those discussions about the challenger customer yep. and about buying groups and understanding yeah, that buying groups, right. more than one person who's making these decisions. Mm-hmm. All these answers kind of reflected that. It sounded like there's a bunch of people that are talking and deciding, like, what do we need? What do we need? What yep. what specs are we looking for? What price point are we looking at? All these people are deciding this stuff. And you need to be involved as early as you possibly can. Mm-hmm. Because if they're having all these conversations and then start reaching mm-hmm. out, they've already late. made up most of their mind. Too they've late. already had an idea of what they're doing, and they're probably yep. just out there looking for pricing at that point. Right. Or looking for who can fulfill the quickest at that point. Mm-hmm. If you're involved earlier and you, and you get to know key players who are key decision makers or key people that have a influence on what the final decision is going to be. Mm-hmm. Those are the folks that you are going to want to be talking to on a regular basis so that when these final decisions are finally coming before they officially reach out, they've already got some insight from someone on the inside and you have already become a trusted person that they can reach out to. Yeah, so right. yep. that's, that's what I got out of some of those answers. They weren't the best answers they could have been. They were very, like I said, they were very generic, but mm. that also tells me that they probably don't have a great process in mind. No, it's they just don't. like, ah, yeah. oh, crap, we, something went wrong. We need something new. Something's mm-hmm. gone wrong and we need to upgrade or we need something different or we need to streamline or improve our process. Uh, let's get together and, have a bunch of random conversations about this and then go get some prices. Or more is break, fix, and they're maybe not thinking about the holistic solution, about how they could right, be a little bit right. more efficient incorporating either things, multiple multiple things onto one device or other technologies, et cetera. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. All right. We also asked a couple questions about media supplies because, hey. I love that we've dropped this well, in Well, recurring revenue. <laughs> Let's be honest. We're always talking about how can we find recurring it. revenue for VARs. Absolutely. And there is plenty of tagging, label printing, RFID labeling, sure. all kinds of that For stuff sure. is happening in, yeah. in warehouses and distribution. So we asked, hey, how are you sourcing your, your supplies right mm-hmm. now? About 50% said their in-house team is is doing that process themselves. They're taking care of sourcing and getting yep. a hold of media. Uh, another 20, 20% said they're using a third-party partner managing that. Mm-hmm. And 27, almost, 20, almost 30%, 28% said they were using an automated system for reordering, which right. is the smart way to do it, yep. obviously. Yep. So we followed up asking, like, hey, you know, are you interested in the idea of automatic reordering of these supplies? 75% said yes, they would be open to exploring automatic reordering of these products. So that's one of those things that tells me, like, all right, there is opportunity there, again, for rec- for recurring revenue for you and your business. If yep. you can be that partner yep. that is helping them set up automated reordering, taking care of that process for them, taking mm-hmm. that out of their hands, mm-hmm. one less thing that three or four people on their team need to be worried about, you're taking that out of their hands and saying, hey, we'll take care of making sure you always have enough media and supplies. Just you know, pay us X amount a month, and we'll take care of this for you. Absolutely. There's opportunity there. No doubt about it. And if so if you're looking to get into the managed service realm, to me, this is a no-brainer right yep. here in the sense that, you know, it's just one of those things that happens, meaning labels and printers and consumables are consumed. They always have to buy more. So yeah. you got to keep buying them. And there's an opportunity. If 75% are looking, are open to the idea of exploring automation and you're providing that managed service to them yep. uh, where your 
monitoring the usage. You can do that. There's software now. Uh, the manufacturers have it. There are third-party software that can help you on this whole cloud print management yep. services yep. Uh, front where you know from your knock, you, you know how much is being consumed and stuff like that. You can do the automation of the reorder, and yet you're still making the margin on that, yep. number one. Number two, it still keeps you, it makes you even more sticky with that customer yep. that now you're in there every day. You're, you're a business partner now all of a sudden. You're not just right. somebody who's providing right. them with a service. You're, you're not a, a one and done partner. Kind of Absolutely, yeah. because you know now you have a vested interest in, in their business as well. So this, this data rings true. Uh, of the fact that there's there's opportunity there, especially yeah. if you got 76, uh, 75, I'm sorry, percent of the people saying they're willing to explore automation and reordering of these products. Come on now, you know yeah. that that's a great great it's opportunity. Low hanging right fruit, right there. There. low hanging so. fruit. Yeah, and fifty two percent of them are doing it in house today. Right. So, and you know they kind of probably don't want to do no. that, especially IT people. You think <laughs> no. IT people want to sit there and reorder consumables? No one wants to be writing up POs. Guarantee no, you know. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. They'd rather be doing their techie stuff, right, <laughs> yep. on the in the server room or something. They got other stuff to do. Yeah. Rather than ordering yeah. consumables, yep. you can take that off their plate for them. Exactly. <laughs> uh, finally, we asked a question that's I think always on everyone's mind is: is what emerging technologies do you for see investing in in yes. the next five years. Now, uh, this was so, a little confusing for me, but go ahead. <laughs> it was for me a little bit, too. So number one was robotics and automation. That checks out. We had, you know, yep. uh, we just talked about on our yep. Tech Bytes episode last Absolutely. week all about uh, yeah. how at Promat, that was one of the top Huge. You yeah. know, technologies and conversations is yeah. overcoming labor shortages, automation, and robotics, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. That checks out. Yep. AI is another one, again, which can kind of lend itself Huge. to that. Yep. Uh, WMS was an, a, a top one. Yeah, but the next one. RFID. <laughs> So you're right. I felt the same way. At least I'm like, wait, was, no, wait a minute. What was our total? RFID was almost 50% of people said that they were looking to invest in RFID in the next five years. Yet, so, 95% of them said right. they were using it. So they're already it. using so it, a, but they also want to invest in it. So, there's something wrong there. I, you know, this is one of those places where if I was someone doing the survey, I would have been like, wait a minute. You just told me you've got it, <laughs> but you need it. Can you explain that a little bit more? Yeah. Granted, you know, our, these folks, you know, they're just trying to get to these questions. They didn't, right, they, right, they, right, they, right. We didn't ask them to like, hey, do some critical follow-up here. But that is that would be an interesting, and, and it, well, it might be a question for your customers too, is to go out to them and say, hey, I see you're already using RFID. You know what? I read a recent survey that folks like you, you know, m almost half of people like in your position are still looking at investing in RFID. What does that mean? Like, mm. are you trying to do something better? Are you trying to yeah, do more? Good point. Are you trying to go item level? Yep. Yep. Are you trying to, you know, do you not like your current RFID process? What does that mean? Because that could still mean, again, that there's some opportunities here with RFID, but we need to figure out what that means in the context of so many people that are already doing it. I agree wholeheartedly. I mean, to me, this no, this number actually seems a little bit more realistic, that about 50% of the people right, are thinking right. RFID is an emerging tech, even though it's been around for a long time, that, that they foresee investing in uh, to, to make their infrastructure better. That, to me, seems pretty realistic. Honestly, it's a little bit more believable than the 95% that say <laughs> they're using it today. So maybe maybe they're not using it, but they're aware that you know other people, other partners in the supply right, chain are, right. are utilizing it. I don't know. Um, but but again, you know, our, I, at the end of the road, RFID is clearly one of those technologies that's getting a lot of looks right now. Uh, and, and for good reason. Right, it can right. bring efficiencies, item level, down to the item level, uh, awareness and visibility. And, and supply chain right now is all about visibility, we, knowing where X is at any point in time in, the, in its life, 
from the beginning of its manufacturing all the way through to its sale right. uh, is huge. It's yeah. huge. So an RFID brings that to you. Yep, yep, I agree. Yeah, I didn't have anything else to add there. That was no. definitely one yeah. that really stood yeah. out to right, me. Right, right, the right. others all made sense. And, you know, our, yeah, like, you know, t- it's the kind of emerging technology we're paying attention to also. Yep, so. yep, yep. All right, well, hey, we're going to wrap this up in a moment with our Value to the VAR segment. But before we do that, I want to, as always, thank our sponsors of the Tech Connect podcast, our Tech Connect program. Uh, special shout out to Zebra for this one because, again, they helped us with this particular survey. They had some mm-hmm. great questions that they mm-hmm. wanted answered. I think they were the ones in particular that said, hey, ask them about media and consumables because there's opportunity there. And, you know, Zebra does a lot with that. They have their own certified supplies yep. and whatnot. Yep. So, that you know, they were they were throwing that out there and for good reason. So thank you so much to them and to everyone else that supports the show. Uh, as always, if you like the show, you need to be subscribing to us, whether you're on YouTube, the podcast, or your choice. Absolutely. And, and in addition to doing that, Share it with share. someone. Share. Tell someone. Tell one of your colleagues. Okay tell someone. Yeah. Yes. You don't have to keep this to yourself. Like right it's... now, if you're sitting next to a buddy or, or one of your teammates, yeah. hey, by the way, you should check this out. Yeah, yeah. you should check these guys out. They're mm-hmm. they're they're really goofy, and I laugh at them several times every episode. <laughs> Not because they're funny, but just because they're goofballs. Yeah. You know? Right. 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 Uh, whatever it is, just share it. You know, if you want, give me whether it's to give somebody good information or laugh for the day. Uh, tell somebody else about it. Hey, suggest topics to us also. Yes, there uh, you go. We need to know what you want to know. At these mm-hmm, surveys, mm-hmm. we're doing these surveys on your behalf. If there's a type of end user that you want to hear from that you think would be vital to your business yep. and understanding more about who they are and what they do, tell us about that, and we will be happy to put together a survey and go That's reach right. out to some yeah. of these end yeah. users and find out what's going on yep. in their business to Let help Let us do the you. hard work of finding out the information for you. Exactly. Yeah. Do you do you want to go around and make 1,700 calls yourself or thousands of calls yourself yeah. Yeah. or no. send out dozens of emails? Or and think about how good you would look to the boss after you, hey, I had Blue Star. They ran this little survey, and there's this opportunity, mm. boss, that That's I think right. we can get into. That's and right. here's the quantifiable data. There you go. See, we can help you. Yeah, look at us. <laughs> Look at us here, helping you move up the corporate ladder. <laughs> there it is. So, Boom. Yeah. Uh, so don't hesitate to reach out. There's, uh, you know, you can always contact us and send us your info about what you want to see on the show. There's always a link in the show notes where you can tell us what topics you want. Just for submitting those, we'll send mm-hmm. you a Tech Connect Podcast t-shirt. Even if we don't use it, send it to us. And hey, make sure you're also following Blue Star on LinkedIn. That is the place to keep up with That's everything it. we've got going on. Yep. There's always weekly recaps of this podcast. Mm-hmm. If you miss an episode and you want to recap, or maybe it's not something you felt like listening to the whole app, but you want to know what we talked about you can always find those there our unboxed videos find out what events are going on just what cool stuff we got going on all yeah, these yeah. articles on blue star nation Absolutely. we always good post stuff. them there good stuff make sure you're following us it's very important to do that uh and of course if you want to reach out to us directly to talk about the podcast or maybe just send us a note and saying hey i like what you guys do we like to hear that yeah, from time we like time. to hear that too you yeah. can always find us on twitter at tech connect pod email us tech connect at bluestarinc.com all right, let's wrap things up here. Let's start with our value to the VAR. Yeah. So let's kind of wrap this up here. Are there any? Is there anything that supply chain VARs could do immediately to capitalize on some of the findings we've talked about today? So one of them to me is if you're not into M2M, you know, mobile device management, You, th- th- one of the things that I wanted to call out is you should be yeah. uh, because there's yeah. an opportunity. I mean, look at all the people that are using multiple devices just to kind of go back to that one. Yep. You know, and, and it, it's a large percentage of people that are using two to three devices. 71% is, is who's claiming that they're using multiple devices. If you don't have an M2M play, uh, and again, this is a great way for you to get your whole business into the managed services very easily. 
you can manage that for them, right? You yep. can manage yep. these devices and become that trusted advisor, become that trusted person to the IT department uh, who's helping to manage those devices above and beyond the own. But that's the one I wanted to call out. Yeah, There's an M2M play here. Yep. For sure. Totally. Yeah. What do you think? You're uh, going to go the cybersecurity angle, aren't well, you? Well, that's definitely one that stood out to me. And, and you know, maybe that's not your play. Maybe that's not your thing. But I was also, my thing is, hey, start talking about emerging tech. Mm. So the stuff that they said, that, that everyone said that they're considering investing in or expecting to invest in, yep. robotics, Robots. automation, AI, yep. upgrading their WMS. I'm assuming most of them probably have a WMS. Mm -hmm. They're just looking to make mm -hmm. an upgrade. Mm -hmm. RFID upgrades yep. or changes, whatever that might mean. Make sure you're talking Just about Just those four stuff. alone, right yeah, there. Even if yeah. it's not your niche right now, or even if you don't know where the play is, or mm -hmm. you don't have any real insight into, into, into what to do there, or you don't should. have a partner, yeah. you should at least be having conversations about that with them, and then also finding partners that can help you out with yep, that. So that for sure. when someone does come to you and is looking for automation or robotics or an AI play, mm -hmm. you've got partners that you can pull in to have those conversations right mm -hmm. off the bat. Mm -hmm. So I'd say start thinking about that. Um, yeah, definitely offer support for those external needs. Mm -hmm. If you can add cybersecurity to your tech stack or partner up with someone that can do it, get that in there because they clearly there's clearly a need externally for partners like you to help them out with that. Mm -hmm. Don't you know like don't make, don't leave it to just like the cybersecurity firm. Again, this is an opportunity where you having that. I mean, it can be an, another firm that's doing oh, sure. cybersecurity. Oh, for sure. But if it's all routing through you, you, you yeah. are the front-facing partner yep. that draws in the software companies, because again, that's the other one that they were saying they were taking externally. Yeah. If all that's filtering through you, but you are the person they go to for all of their needs, that puts you in the position to be someone that they trust, to help partner up, whether you get a piece of the back end from the software companies and cybersecurity mm. to make the introductions, mm -hmm. or putting yourself in a place where anytime hardware needs do come up, that's always coming through you. Yeah. So even if even if software cybersecurity is not your play, have connections there yep. because people will come and look to you to mm -hmm. help them figure out, mm -hmm. like, you're my guy, you're mm -hmm. my gal for this particular you know, for, for tech support mm -hmm. outside in general, mm -hmm. can you help me find someone to give me this software? Yeah. Maybe it's not your thing. Fine. You've got the connections yeah. to help them out. Go there. deeper and wider. That's right. Yep. yep for so sure. I think that's it. And, and again, just, you know, building your, your network of software partners. Again, we have our Tech Connect program for a reason. Yep. We are always happy to help connect you with a software partner. Yeah. Just reach out to us for reach sure. Reach out to us. Yep. We will, you know, if you've got a problem, you're like, hey, I need somebody that can provide software for this. I promise you we have a can probably give you a yeah. list of 10 different companies to reach Absolutely. out to. We so. get pinged all the time on that, so don't be afraid. Yeah, exactly. For sure. Yep. yep. All right, so that's our value of the bar. Let's wrap up, as always, with our favorite segment, What's Tech Connected oh, with You? Oh, right, yeah. This is where we get to talk about uh, something in the world of science, <laughs> tech, business, or innovation, not. or not. I just got something that's confounding today. Something we just feel like talking about. So, well, Dean, what's Tech Connected with You? Here right? it is with me. I'll, I'll read the uh, headline to you. Canadian authorities announced they are investigating the theft of around $15 million in gold and valuables that were stolen from the holding cargo facility at the Toronto Pearson International Airport this week. So, okay, that's huge. So let me just kind of rewind a little bit here. The Toronto Pearson, if you've never been to Pearson, it is a huge modern airport. I have not. Very big. Yeah. Think any big, you know, yeah, airport yeah. that you've ever been to, Atlanta. I mean, it's it's on par with all those places. Nice big facility. How does fifteen million dollars worth of gold and valuables <laughs> get stolen in this age of video surveillance? No oh, doubt. And by the way, no suspects have been identified for this yet. Wow. So how it's does this job. how does this happen? In, right. It's got to be. It's got to be job. with with video surveillance with security.
security at airports for crying out loud. Yeah, I mean, you're like, you, How do you, you scale a fence, you're arrested before you even get exactly. near a runway. Exactly. You know? Thank you, brother. Yes. So, you know, they apparently the golden valuables were transferred to, to a facility after being taken off the plane. Authorities said the thieves accessed the public side of a warehouse that is oh, leased through a third party, I guess, uh, outside the airport's security to get to the loot. And, and, but still, I, I don't believe it. It has to be yeah. an inside job. And you would think that that's pretty big, but that did uncover yet another funny story. <laughs> back a, f- a few years ago, uh, back in 2012, this is not the first time this has happened in Pearson. Oh. Back in 2012. Someone's getting fired. Th- thieves ran off with 3,000 tons of maple syrup <laughs> valued at $14.4 million. So that was the second biggest heist. That used to be the biggest Who heist. Who knew the maple syrup was worth that much? Damn, that is, <laughs> well, that is literal liquid gold. I want to know how you, it is literal liquid gold, but how do you run off with 3,000 tons of something and nobody knows? I, yeah, that's just, you know, it's got to be an inside beca- job. I mean, that is... Is it just like because the place is just so big and there's so many constant people in and out and so many third no, party contractors? No, I mean that... you got to lock it down, right? You yeah, mean this, that's what I'm saying. In this age of wow. like hyper security, cameras everywhere, it, it has to be yeah. something's a little fishy yeah. here, right? Like, something's off. oh, the camera went off for a couple hours at this point in time. <laughs> it's like the uh, oh, what is it? The the guy that those Epstein. Ocean's movies or something? Yeah, no, or... it's the Epstein oh, thing God, where yeah. yeah, yeah, he was murdered, but the cameras weren't working <laughs> yeah, for, yeah. for two hours. Uh, anyway, That's what you always see in all the detective know, shows. Like, oh, the, there's a some reason there's a break in the camera feed for this time. I don't know what happened. Or like, wait, look, that's on a loop, you know. <laughs> yeah. And the thing so, is, the sad thing is, these people probably actually aren't that smart in doing this kind no, of stuff. And right. yet somehow they're still getting away they're with it. Still this. getting away with it. $15 million in gold, apparently, right wow. out of Pearson's airport. The Pearson so, International. So I think the lesson here is don't port. ship any of your valuables <laughs> through that airport. If you have something of value, if you, you to probably have $15 million worth of gold. Pay, don't pay the extra it. fee to route it somewhere else you if go. you got to, you know? Oh, man. All right. What's that wow. connecting with you? All right. So uh, did you ever get into the uh, brewing your own beer craze? Oh, yes. Did you? Yeah. Now, I didn't actually do it, but I had neighbors. Anyway, I was a part yeah, of my, that. Yeah. My, my father-in-law did it. Honestly, most of them were pretty skunky. <laughs> Did like, he have one good batch at least? Like, there was at least one or okay, two right, batches. Right, I was right, like, mm, this is yeah, pretty this good. Is but there, was, there was plenty where I just took a sip and was like, it, oh, no, this ain't no, happening. This, yeah. Sorry, bud. Yeah. And I was always the guy he turned to for the sampling <laughs> first, too. So I was the guinea pig. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, maybe that might help out with that for you know the local brewers, but also for big brewers, too. Mm-hmm. Beer bots. Beer bots. Beer bots Great that tell. could speed up the brewing process. So... Basically, so we're a, talking automation uh, and robotics here? Yeah, so there's a company called, um, what is it? Um, the Beer Bot? I don't, I don't, I don't, you don't need I don't to go past that. Yeah, it's a pretty, it's great name for a company. Uh, so, all right, so this is a company that basically made these little beer bots okay. whose job is to drop on the top of the beer, and their idea is that they can basically speed up the process, the fermentation process in mm. particular. So mm-hmm. uh, it says in the first step, and normally in the first step, you've got sugars extracted from grains, malted barley, blah, blah, blah. Then yep. you got to ferment, release yep. carbon dioxide, yep. do all that stuff. It can take all that magic starts weeks. happening. Right. Yes. It can take yes. up to four weeks. And if any little microorganism get in there, it can spoil, You're screwed. The, yep. spoil the product. So yep. now these researchers have made two millimeter wide beer bot capsules by combining Dude. active yeast, yeah. magnetic iron oxide nanoparticles, okay. and sodium alginate from algae, and dripping the mixture into a ferric chloride solution. Okay. They made one side of the spheres porous by exposing that half to an alkaline solution in an electrochemical cell. And basically what they do is they drop them in, they start sinking, they push themselves down, or they, they, they sink down, start pulling this stuff in, 
take care of some of that fermentation yeah. process. The carbon dioxide helps push them, propel them up to the surface. Okay. Where they release the rest of it in there, sink back down again. Oh, and so keep they keep doing, doing it. it. Right. It's like round there's, and round and round. So up and down, there. up and, and down. Basically, this just shortens up the time much quicker, much less chance of microorganisms potentially ah. getting involved. And apparently, it says the beer bots were active for up to three more wort fermentation cycles. So, okay. not just a one time use. I got you. Take yeah. them. And also, the neat thing about them, too, is when they're done and they settle at the bottom, uh-huh. because a lot of what takes also some time in this process, of course, is the sedimentation mm. and all the stuff you got to filter mm-hmm. out of the mm-hmm. beer. You've, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure you've had beer where there's just oh, a lot of. Oh, yeah. 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 Stu- some, I know some people like oh, that. Oh, it's an IPA. Yeah. It's got all kinds yeah. of. No. Some people like that. Like, no, no I don't, I don't want to see. I don't want to drink beer through a filter. I don't want to see like a bunch of sand. Sitting in the bottom That's of right. my beer That's right. glass. That's right. I'm done. Yeah. So this kind of helps out with that because these things now just hang out at the bottom. They use magnets to keep them attached to the bottom. Ah. So when you pour it out, you're not getting you're any not of that getting stuff enough. coming okay. out with it, too. So. That's fascinating. So, so neat, just a little neat little potential it's, it's, new application. It's curing the skunky beer. Uh, you know, phenomenal. Potentially, yes. Potentially, yes. Potentially curing that gotcha. and speeding up the process for brewing it over. Well, you know, so. that is part of the problem. When you're at the doing the at-home brewery, who's got four weeks? Who's got five yeah. weeks? I and mean, who's going to remember that, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. And then you can't mess with it. That's part of the problem. These master brewers... They exactly. got the patience. We don't have the patience. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we need beer bots. To yeah, because me, stuff if I'm happen, brewing beer, I'm go. just like, I'm just doing it. I'm like, okay, I want, I want my beer. Can I, is it time for my beer? Like, no, you got to make it. Wait, you sure? No, no, no. It's no. time for a beer. Like, I'm gonna yeah. go ahead and try my beer now. And then you're like, no, no I got a tailgate next weekend. I need, a, I need beer now. Exactly. <laughs> I need my own brew. All right. Good so stuff. that's that's what's tech connecting with us. Uh, until next time, um, stay away from Toronto Airport if you've got millions of dollars worth of goods. Yeah, just don't go. Get yourself a handful of beer bots and drop them in that IPA to get rid of all that stuff. And as always, folks, please stay connected. Technic Podcast is brought to you by Elo. All right, Dean, we've talked yeah. a little bit about on the retail side of the back of the house, the yeah. supply chain stuff. But, you know, retailers also need some help on the front of the house, That's too. true. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so that's where Elo can help out here. When choosing a POS solution, you got to choose the leaders in touch technology. Absolutely. That's Elo. Yeah. Uh, Elo Touch Computers are the surest, fastest way to start a POS application and provide long-lasting use with many options. For modular configuration. I love that modularity. Yep, yep, yep. That's your favorite thing. Are you a Legos kid? Absolutely. Is that why you 100%. Yeah, I could build, you know, you start off with a car, but then it turns into a Jeep, and then it turns into a flying... Yeah, you need modularity, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Elo has... Not that the Elo stuff is going to start flying around. (laughs) I mean, I don't know what they're working on. Maybe wheels to it. Maybe they could. You know, they got all those peripheral connection stuff. Who knows? Tell us about some of the modularity. All right, Elo has the Elo Pause and iSeries touch monitors, which are available in a variety of sizes. They offer flexible mounting and support. Maybe that mount says a wheel. See, there you go. There it is. And support for easy customization with a variety of Elo Edge Connect accessories to choose from for self-service and point of sale. So maybe you put it on that mount that's got wheels and you just drive around. (laughs) (laughs) Talk about mobile point of sale, bro. (laughs) Yes, sir. Uh, If an all-in-one solution is what your customers need, Elo PayPoint has your covered, offering everything a merchant needs with a fully integrated receipt printer, barcode scanner, cash drawer, and MSR, all in a compact and sleek design. To learn more about how Elo can simplify your next POS project, check out the link in the show notes or contact your Blue Star Evo representative. Technic Podcast is also brought to you by Zebra. 
Zebra industrial printers are designed for harsh and demanding environments. With rugged durability and future-proof adaptability, their user-friendly barcode label and RFID printers are designed to provide 24-7 reliability. You know, you needed some dramatic music behind you there. I did, dun, didn't I? Dun, dun, yes, yes. Mark, I need to Very impactful. Dramatic what you music just said right the there. Yes, yes. Dun, 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 I didn't mean dun, dun, to cut dun, you dun, off, dun, dun. but I was just envisioning no, I got yes, you. Yes, yes. Don't compromise. Choose Zebra for high to mid-volume applications. Now, we were just talking earlier about, you know, media, oh, yeah. all that supplies yeah, and stuff, whatever. Yeah, yep. I mean, if you're getting involved in that, then obviously you might be trying to sell some printers to do all this cool printing for them, too. For sure. Some uh, top of the line. Yeah. So introducing the latest additions to Zebra's industrial printing portfolio, the ZT111 and ZT231. These new printers give you the best performance and long-lasting durability you've come to expect from the global leader in barcode label printing. ZT111 is a budget-friendly, entry-level light industrial computer with fast print speeds, crisp print quality and an all-metal frame. Yep. ZT231 offers even more durability, faster print speeds, a color touch screen, and an RFID model while still being affordable. They got Boom. everything. RFID there. right there. There you go. Mm-hmm. Zebra printers are built to last, secure, and provide years of performance, especially when used with Zebra-certified supplies. Yes. Check out the link in the show notes to learn more about the new ZT printers. 